Welcome to the Side Hustle Project, a podcast where we explore the nitty-gritty details behind what it takes to start and grow a profitable side hustle. I'm your host, Ryan Robinson, and in this podcast, I'm bringing you interviews with entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, CEOs, investors, and people just like you who are building and profiting from interesting side hustles. In today's episode, we're talking to Tommy Griffith, the SEO veteran who's led search engine optimization teams at companies like PayPal and Airbnb. Now turned founder of ClickMinded, his series of courses that teach the latest SEO and marketing strategies working today. Originally from a small town in New Hampshire, Tommy credits a lot of his early interest in getting into digital marketing back to reading Tim Ferriss' 4-Hour Workweek while he was in college. Reading that book led Tommy to writing his first ebook about how to start a fraternity. Uh, that's when he dove into search engine optimization for the first time and eventually sold a couple hundred copies of his own book on Amazon. After moving to Southeast Asia, after graduating to work on a startup with a friend, Tommy eventually landed his first full-time job working in SEO for a digital agency based out of Singapore. From there, Tommy wound up moving to the San Francisco Bay Area and went on to run most of the SEO efforts at PayPal before joining a relatively young Airbnb and managing their SEO for over four years. It was during his time working at PayPal and Airbnb when Tommy began testing out the concept for ClickMinded. He started by hosting paid in-person SEO and digital marketing training sessions during the evenings and weekends. After building momentum with that business model for a couple of years, Tommy started creating his first online courses, and the rest is history. In this episode, Tommy and I talk about how he took a powerful skill that he'd been paid to build over the course of years in his day job and turned that into an online side business and eventually a full-time company that's now doing several six figures in annual revenue. We dive into the fundamentals of how to nail your blog's SEO, including what successful content looks like and how to best promote your work after hitting publish. We explore Tommy's personal process for building high-quality links to his most important pages, the strategies he teaches about how to drive traffic to your blog, and so much more. As always, you can find everything we mentioned in today's episode in the show notes at ryrob.com slash podcast. That's spelled R-Y-R-O-B dot com slash podcast. Let's get into today's interview with Tommy Griffith. Tommy, welcome to the show. Ryan, thanks for having me, man. I really appreciate it. This has been a long time coming. This is going to be a blast. Uh, conversations at the intersection of SEO, side hustling, digital marketing. This is like my home base is where I live. <laughs> yeah, it was. it's funny how the way we were talking before the show, the way we actually first kind of bumped into each other was like through link profile analysis. <laughs> you were linking Hilarious. to me from, from your own site and that's sort of how I first found you, which is that's how you know it's a nerdy connection, right? <laughs> exactly. And you were actually a side hustle story that I featured on my blog before we ever even met. Um, so we're coming full circle. Um, but before we get off into the weeds on all this fun stuff, um, I do want to rewind the clock to the beginning of your story. So uh, Tommy, where are you originally from? Yeah, I'm from the East Coast. I'm from um, a tiny little town in New Hampshire, about an hour outside of Boston. Uh, and I guess the story started like like a lot of a lot of internet marketers' side hustle stories with uh, reading the Four Hour Workweek in a hammock. <laughs> did, there we go. <laughs> yeah. Did you? I'm I'm um, I'm sure you're familiar with Four Hour Workweek, and oh yeah, probably most of your audience as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's pr- for anyone who hasn't read it. I mean, it's probably fairly out of date at this point, but the fundamentals are still pretty, pretty solid, right? It was kind of the book, the catalyst that drove a lot of people to get into internet marketing and building remote companies and businesses and things like that. 
but yeah, studied finance, graduated when the banks were crashing, had no idea what I wanted to do, read this book and wrote, like a lot of people wrote, uh, my first digital product was an ebook. I wrote this really dorky ebook on how to start a fraternity. <laughs> oh, um, amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was very obnoxious, exactly as obnoxious as you're imagining right now. But I, I, friends of mine and I started a fraternity in college. It was kind of a joke. And by the time we graduated, it was like a real thing. There were like 100, 100 people in it. So I wrote this dorky ebook after reading Four Hour Work Week uh, on how to start a fraternity. And I was like, okay, how do I, how do I get this to the, to the top of Google, right? And started to figure out how search engine optimization worked. I started selling the book for $10. Nobody bought it. <laughs> I dropped the price to $5. Nobody bought it. And then I increased the price to $47 and 250 people bought it. And so <laughs> it was like, this is, this is interesting. So that, I, I got really interested in search engine optimization after that. Tried to start a company with a friend of mine that that failed. It went really badly. Um, yeah, I wanted to ask you about this because uh, on your LinkedIn profile, it's actually uh, self-described as a hilariously bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it says? What was, what was the business? Yeah. Yeah. So we started a so we started a medical tourism um, facilitation company back in two thousand and nine in Taiwan. The basic idea, the basic idea was, uh, it sounds like a fever dream, right? But yeah, the basic idea is, was, you know, it's 2008, kind of a pre-Obamacare healthcare problems. Of course, there's still healthcare problems in the US, massive ones, but there was a lot of out-of-pocket surgery that was very, very expensive um, for people who couldn't afford it, or they were entrepreneurs that didn't have healthcare, and they were looking to go overseas. The basic idea is we saw this happening in a lot of other countries, but it wasn't happening in Taiwan. And so, it, it sounds like a healthcare play, but it wasn't. It was an internet marketing play. The basic idea was like, let's rank number one. And now that I know how SEO works, let's rank number one for medical tourism, Taiwan, and like knee replacement alternative and all these other sort of things, right? Um, the only upside to the whole story was that I, I learned internet marketing, right? I taught myself SEO yeah. and SEM, right? Borrowed money from family and friends to, to get it done. Um, but the business model was just so bad. I mean, so dumb. <laughs> like, you know, what's, what's actually insane about this is around this time, like 2012 for me, I was hired as a freelancer. This is like when I was brand new to digital marketing too, um, by someone who was doing medical tourism in the UK. So this must have been a little mini bubble going on time-wise. Really interesting. Yeah. He, his yeah. business also imploded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No surprise at all. And we were just, um, we were, we were just, I mean, I was, I was, I did so many things wrong. Um, but I think one of the big things, of course, is getting into something, uh, into a topic I, I knew nothing about, right? And, you know, we, we would have been way better off if we, I, I could go on all day. I could talk for hours on all the things we did wrong. But uh, I was in this weird situation where, I, I was blessed and my, my parents paid for university. I graduated, one of the few people who graduated from university with no student debt. And I ended up putting myself into debt shortly after university by attempting this. So um, it was brutal. It was, it was not good. You know, tried it. Can't, can't, uh, can't, I'm not embarrassed of saying I, uh, of saying I tried it, but, um, you know, I was traveling and trying to make it work and, and I failed and I failed pretty hard. Ended up getting a job at an agency and then eventually coming back to the US, but I definitely came back to the US with my tail between my legs and a bunch of debt and pretty damn miserable. I'm not going to lie. It was, it was not a good feeling at all. 
Yeah. Yeah. I can, I can only imagine, um, especially when you kind of like go out and you have this, what, what is starting to be kind of a foundation of knowledge, right? Like you've got a skill you've been building, the SEO skill. Um, you've been building it through learning about how to sell your ebook, right? Um, ranking some content, but maybe the business didn't take off. <laughs> so yeah. when you come back, is this around when you landed the job at PayPal or did you come back and then start looking for work? That, that's right. Yeah. Came back. Um, that was the, Hey mom, Hey dad, remember me, your son, do you got space on the couch kind of moment? And it, it was just like, so brutal. I think the single biggest motivator in life is being miserable and in debt because it will push you to do things that you did not think were, were possible. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, came home and found a job pretty fast at PayPal. I was really just very, very lucky, right place, right time. PayPal was hiring an SEO manager for emerging markets. So specifically someone who could focus on kind of non-English content. Um, interesting. And yeah, and it just ended up being, they said, okay, we've been, you've been doing SEO for three years and all these, and you've been running around all these other countries. It, It really didn't make any sense. Like they, they, it's just so funny how big, slow, lethargic corporations hire now because they give, they give, you know, the job requirements to the recruiter and it's like these bullet points and, you know, your resume has to fit the bullet points. And it just, it didn't make any sense. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't particularly qualified for that job. And then on top of that, there was no reason to hire me as an SEO manager for emerging markets. There was no one managing SEO at the entire company. They needed an SEO manager for, for everything. And so I got in and, and I was tasked to do this one specific thing. And then I ended up doing something entirely different within like three weeks, which was just like fixing all of the SEO problems, right? Yeah, so like the bigger systemic issues. <laughs> yeah, all of that. And so, um, yeah, so that was the, that was sort of the, I guess the failing up part was, yeah, borrowed a bunch of money to try something. It didn't work, but then it became right place, right time for an actual career. And that ended up... Um, spiraling also into Airbnb. So I managed search engine optimization at PayPal. It's one of the 50 largest websites in the world for two years. And then that turned into managing search engine optimization at Airbnb while it started to really grow uh, pretty quickly as well. And that was kind of six years of like corporate enterprise SEO. Right. And I'm glad you kind of caveated it there with corporate enterprise because that's pretty different than, you know, say what bloggers and marketers listening to this podcast are going to be dealing with. So like what, what kinds of unique challenges would you say were a part of your job at those kinds of mammoth companies? Like what was the real kind of problem you were working against? Yeah. And, and it's pretty fascinating because SEOs, and I love talking to digital marketers because they're all so damn weird, right? <laughs> Myself included. Um, and, you know, a lot of people are, uh, get into digital marketing in one of two ways. They, they're either working on their own side projects and they need to figure it out, or they, their company they're working at needs it and no one's doing it and they have to figure it out that way, right? So it's like, I did this thing or I have this design or I wrote this book or I'm doing this web application and I need to get it ranking in Google. Or it's like, hey, I was brought on to do X type of marketing, but my boss just said, hey, we need to figure out email marketing or we need to figure out mobile ads, Right. And with enterprise SEO, um, it's very different, as you just uh, alluded to. It's extremely boring, right? And so a lot of what I was doing every day was, you know, managing executives and making presentations and doing this kind of stuff like, you know, you're going around to engineers explaining why you shouldn't no index all of the pages, right? Or like things that are incredibly different from what you would be doing at a small uh, company or a small business or a company that relies on 
on a lot of uh, non-brand traffic coming to their site. I'm not saying it's not important, right? I mean, there's, there's, you know, when we when we made a mistake at PayPal or made it had a huge win, it would literally come up in in like shareholder uh, quarterly earnings reports and things like that. I mean, it's a, it's a big deal, right? But uh, the things you do day to day are just so much different than you know being scrappy, writing content, mm-hmm. and things like that. And then the difference even within PayPal and Airbnb were incredibly different as well. PayPal was much more boring big, slow, kind of more like a bank. Customers don't really like it. It was like people were, you know, wearing like dress shirts and dress pants and things like that. And like, uh, it was not an engineering culture at all. In fact, a lot of the developments happening in India, which I think is very, just to be frank, I think it's very backwards now for a US based tech company. I don't think that's the way you should you should do it. The way we'd push out changes to production was every two weeks. I'm speaking, this is, this is many years ago now. So this may be um, may not be the same, and the company looks like it is doing doing better now. But Airbnb was just the exact opposite, which is like you know based based here based in California, um, huge engineering culture, pushing out you know twenty changes to production a day, and a totally different sort of problem technically from a web application perspective. Right at PayPal, it's like a very more a much more finite universe of keywords: send money online, payment processing, accept credit cards, right, and and all the language variations of that, right, like all those keywords in Spanish and in, and in Danish. But at Airbnb, we were optimizing the the web application that is Airbnb. And again, it's a very different problem. It's not it's not just creating content. It's a lot of kind of SEO on top of engineering and design changes. Yeah, that is unique to to Airbnb in particular, I would imagine too, because you also have all the markets, right? That like vacation, you know, home rental, Santa Barbara, um, you know, vacation home, Honolulu. Uh, there's like so many different ways and pages that you want to rank as well. So very unique challenge, I would imagine. Yeah. And the, the way, just to sort of get your head around this how how big this is. A lot of people say, oh, do you do content marketing on the SEO team at Airbnb? And the reality was we really did not. Uh, the, Airbnb did content marketing, but it generally wasn't for SEO purposes. The stuff we would focus on, just yeah, just to give you the, the total addressable market side, like I said before, PayPal was probably, we were ultimately at the end of the day, we were probably trying to optimize about 50 to a, 50 pages, maybe 50 to 100 pages at PayPal. Yeah. At Airbnb, it was closer to 10 million. Yeah, and, that's crazy. Right. And so here, here, here's the way to think about it. Okay. Vacation rentals, Miami and, you know, um, you know, vacation homes, Tahoe. Okay. That's, th- th- those are simple. Right. But think about all these variations, right? There's, there's, um, there's, there's state geographies, there's natural features, right? Like a, like a lake or a park or things yeah. like that. Right. Then there's 20 different languages, right? So all these other things in all these other languages. So I can search for vacation rental Barcelona, but I can search for vacation rental Barcelona in 20 different languages, right? Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, you can have lots of different crossovers. You can have a Hungarian in the Czech Republic searching in French for a place in Spain, right? So, <laughs> so we had, and all of these permutations, um, you also have things like, you know, in Japanese, you have to optimize for Airbnb in four different languages, Hiragana, Katakana, Romaji, right? And so, uh, there were 55 top-level domains. There are a number of different subfolders, um, right? There was a lot of different vacation home types and different accommodation types. There's vacation, there's homes, there's apartments, there's family-friendly places, pet-friendly places, places with a hot tub. Um, 
And on top of that, it's right. Yeah. So that's just the, that's just the the SEO problem. But then on top of that, it's just all of the corporate stuff around what do the designers want to do and not want to do? What is the, what's the engineering roadmap and all the sort of office politics that happens at kind of any, any tech company. <laughs> so this kind of uh, sets the stage very nicely for what I think uh, happens next for you. It's, it's actually during your time working at Airbnb that you begin working on uh, your SEO training course, ClickMinded, right? Yeah. So it actually started at PayPal, but it, start, it kind of started to take off at, at Airbnb and started to become what it is now at Airbnb. Yeah. Um, yeah. So ClickMinded is uh, my, my business now. I, I left Airbnb two years ago to go full time on it. It started as an SEO training course, and we've kind of grown into a, a, a bigger digital marketing training course with seven courses now and a number of different instructors. But it started as a physical in-person class in San Francisco. My boss at PayPal had asked me to teach a class to other, the other people in marketing at, at PayPal on search engine optimization. It was like a two-hour class. I did it in an afternoon, and I got a lot of good feedback on it that, uh, that it was helpful. And so I decided to start doing it on the side. I would rent a co-working space in San Francisco and physically teach classes on, on Saturday morning. I was thinking about all that debt I had from my, my first side project attempt and uh, would teach these classes. Kind of start off 9 a.m. To, to 5 p.m. Kind of all you can SEO on, on a Saturday and, <laughs> and just sort of nerd out on search engines with any, any startups or any, anyone who wanted to, um, to learn SEO. It was kind of how it started. Man, yeah, that's crazy. Um, so when a new student, let's let's talk about today, actually. So when a new student student joins ClickMinded, right, you've got this more kind of broad digital marketing focus. Um, what should people expect to learn? Like, what's the goal of the program nowadays? Yeah, so it's, we started as an SEO training course, and now it's um, all, all kinds of, of digital marketing. We focus on um, entry-level to intermediate digital marketers, SEO, paid advertising, content marketing, email marketing, social media, sales funnels, and Google Analytics. And our model is that we try and find world-class people that do this stuff every day to, to teach it, right? So the former head of social media from Airbnb teaches the social media course. The former content strategist from Lyft teaches the content marketing course. We try and find, we focus on... Um, kind of um, the three sort of customer avatars we have are entrepreneurs, in-house marketers, and consultants or agencies that want to train up their internal team, or maybe they want to get better at a certain skill, right? Like they're good at SEO, but they are, they're not as great at content marketing, email marketing, something like that. That's, that's who we um, focus on now. Yeah, I like it. It makes a lot of sense. Um, so I've got kind of a burning question here. I, w- I was just uh, digging through a lot of the questions I get from bloggers and marketers. A lot of these people that kind of fit this persona, entrepreneurs, small business owners. Um, I get a lot of questions from them over email and Twitter all the time. And I was just kind of uh, scrolling through some some related things that I could ask you. And one that's come up a lot over the past month in particular is uh, that there's basically been you know a lot of turbulence this year. Um, big Google algorithm updates, you know, a month or two ago, shaking things up for a lot of bloggers, marketers out there. So do you have any kind of like tried and true longer term strategies that you'd recommend for increasing search rankings that aren't going to be vulnerable to these kinds of little fluctuations and updates? (laughs) The short answer is absolutely not, Uh, (laughs) which sucks. I know. And yeah, the last two have been, have been really brutal talking to a lot of people about this now. Um, and, 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 and where this is all going to go. Uh, I don't, I haven't found anyone who really has wrapped their arms around, uh, the latest 
the latest update and figured it out. I really like um, Glenn Alsop. Um, he's one of my, my favorite SEOs. He's writing some really yeah. great stuff on on how to manage this and how to think about, about things long-term. It's so trite and annoying to just go back to the Google sayings of create stuff people want, right? But but uh, the, the, the one thing that has been coming up specifically, and uh, um, John Mueller from Google has said he's they're going to update this, but the, the Panda, the original uh, Panda blog post from 2011, I think it was, just around, around trust, and the, I think they offered 23 questions you can ask yourself, like, um, you know, do you trust the site? Would you use your credit card on the site kind of thing? That's really the only clue they've given us so far. But uh, Glenn, Glenn recently had a post on how he's thinking about this. And his point is that no one has come up with a solid way, a, sort of a solid explanation for the last few updates this year without being able to without a relentless number of, of exceptions, right? And so like anytime, anytime someone has a, a hypothesis they begin to confirm, you can find a million other exceptions. So um, Google has really thrown us all off the scent this year and I'll be the first one to admit that, right? So uh, I'm, I'm, we're still watching this closely, but I don't have a, I don't have a solid tried and true uh, method for you there. <laughs> now, I, I asked this question to you originally um, out of kind of a selfish nature because I am also <laughs> seeing some really just weird fluctuations. Like, it hasn't been totally negative. Some things have gone up inexplicably and some have gone down in, seemingly inexplicably, right? And and I went through kind of just an SEO audit with a few friends of mine who do SEO and we did, you know, tons of, of updates to my site to increase page load speed um, to try and like reinforce the main categories and themes, right? Like coming back to that trust and credibility mm -hmm. uh, post that you mentioned, like try and make my site clearly authoritative at, you know, just one, maybe two kind of like topic areas. And, and I, I feel like I'm starting to see a little trickle of maybe a return, but yeah, I, I'm, I'm still pretty stumped myself. Yeah, it's uh, and it's really interesting too because um, this is exactly sort of uh, what I was mentioning before around this idea of enterprise SEO versus um, you know the sort of the side hustle small to medium sized business SEO. A PayPal or an Airbnb, whenever these algorithm updates would happen, we almost always gained. There's almost always a brand bias, and we almost never had to to worry about these things. There are of course big companies that they see algorithm shifts and they have a massive a massive cratering of their business, right? Your, your demand medias and other, 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 other people like this. Right. But, um, this is, this was one of the things I, um, one of the big problems I had actually when I made the jump from my full-time job to the side hustle, which is I came to this realization pretty, pretty quickly that I was an incredibly overhyped sort of person, right? Like I, I had been, I had <laughs> this been is such honesty. I love it. <laughs> you know, so I had been managing SEO for six years at these big companies and I left to go full time. And the first thing I did was I completely OD'd on, you know, updating myself over the last year. So I took a million online courses and case studies and took new tools and ran a bunch of experiments on my own site and got on a bunch of calls with friends. And I had this exhaustive sort of two week period where I was rebuilding the next phase of my business and I just remember this moment where I like sat back and looked up and, and was thinking like, I am the most overhyped person I've ever met in my life. And I, and I think there's a, there, there's, there's a lot of this when you, when especially um, people who work at big 
brands and when they, you know, they go on these conference circuits and they go speak at these conferences, a lot of them don't have the skin in the game that, that, um, that a lot of the rest of the world has. And so that was a, a pretty, if, if you have listeners that are at a big company and they've, they've leveraged some of the company they're working at on their side project, I really like that idea. I think it's very valuable, but mm-hmm. you do have to remember that um, reality can be absolutely brutal when you, when you leave, you know, the warm, fuzzy safety of, a, of the, the golden fortress that you're working in every day. You know what I mean? So that was a, that was a pretty brutal um, realization once I, once I'd left. <laughs> what kind of adjustment did you experience yourself once you jumped straight into uh, working on ClickMinded full-time? Yeah, so I think the big, um, I mean, the one thing I did right, which I was just mentioning before, was I, I really waited this time. I'm, my wounds were fresh from the old, the old company, <laughs> you know? And so I was very aware of how bad it could go. Um, there's this term, I, I didn't realize we had done this at the time, but there's this term, a, a friend of mine who runs an entrepreneur group called uh, Dynamite Circle, his name's Dan Andrews. I'm not, I don't know if you know him, but uh, he coined this term in a blog post recently. I'm just pulling it up now. It's called Exit Velocity. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when, you're, when you're about to leave your company and go full-time on a side project, he's, here, here it is right here, the, the definition. Exit Velocity, the amount of professional and entrepreneurial momentum you have when quitting your job and starting a new venture. Momentum can come from a variety of sources, investment, capital, experience, anchor clients, industry knowledge and connections, aka unfair advantage. So that was, that. right? And, and so I think a lot of people when they're, when they're at this crossroads, they make this mistake and they, it's like, you know, someone, they're a lawyer, they've been a lawyer for 20 years, and then they're going to go and sell CrossFit jump ropes, right? <laughs> or like, or there's, it's sort of completely unrelated to what they've been doing all their lives. And I'm not saying it's impossible, you know, if you're really passionate in that example, if you're really passionate about CrossFit, of course, that's fine. But there's a number of people who they spend a giant chunk of their life working on something. And then the next thing they want to do is totally unrelated. And mm-hmm. you're just not you're not setting yourself up to win in that way, right? You're just, I mean, it's the old adage, startups are hard, most startups fail. Most people that try this stuff don't, don't succeed. And so anything you can do to increase the likelihood of it succeeding is a, is a good idea. So that's that concept of, of exit velocity, you know, and, and that's really what I did. I didn't realize it at the time, but that is what I did. I was getting paid by Airbnb to manage SEO every day, but I was, you know, I had that credibility. I was using the product internally at Airbnb. So everyone who joined the growth team, joined the SEO team, took the SEO course and that, that made it better, right? Um, I built up a lot of that. And then by, by the time I left, um, the, yeah, the, the side project had been generating more than my salary for a few years at that point. So uh, that it was just... substantial. Yeah, it was just, it ended up being the exact opposite of my first attempt, which was going in, going into the medical tourism industry as a 22-year-old with absolutely no experience and no connections and no anything. And surprise, surprise, I burnt all my money and came home miserable, right? Like, I can't believe it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, very different uh, story this time around. So, you know, you're, you're earning a multiple above what your salary is paying you on your side project, click-minded. So you jump in full-time, um, you know, fast forward a couple of years now since you've been doing it. Um, how much revenue would you say you guys are doing on kind of a yearly base ballpark figure? Yeah. So I wrote a, I wrote a blog post recently that actually lays out all the, um, all the revenue numbers and, and everything. It's pretty, pretty open. Um, maybe I can give it to you for your audience, but I can read it here yeah. as well. We'll include it um, in the show notes for sure. Cool. So yeah, the, the first big thing I think is that um, I've been working on ClickMinded for eight years. 
<laughs> and that context uh, can get lost pretty easily. Yeah. And so these numbers, I'll, ju- I'll just do the highlights. But uh, yeah, so the, the year one, 2012, I made $11,000 in the first year. This year, we're on pace. We're estimating about $490,000. And obviously, they were entirely different businesses. Year one was mostly physical, in-person, kind of before the online course. And and this year, yeah, we're on pace for about about $490,000. But the trajectory was, yeah, year one, $11,000. Year two, $49,000. Year three, $117,000. So by the third year, I had about eclipsed my salary. Uh, and then when I went full time, the first year was full time. It was about three hundred twelve thousand, three hundred seventy eight thousand last year, and about four hundred ninety thousand this year. And I, I had this discussion with friends. Actually, like it depends on your perspective because okay, we're not we've automated a lot of the business. It's doing really well. Four hundred ninety thousand is what we're expecting this year, and that's great. I'm really proud of that. But the other perspective is I've been working on this for eight years, <laughs> and, so, and so you could also argue that. This is a catastrophic failure. <laughs> I mean, I, and I listed out in this blog post, okay, here's a list of companies that were created after ClickMinded. Lyft, $24 billion. Snapchat, $15 billion. Instacart, $7 billion. SoFi, $4 billion. Jet, $3 billion. It goes on and on and on. Um, there's another example though. You could say, okay, like these are VC backed like unicorns. You can't, mm-hmm. you can't compare that to a lifestyle Apple business. Challenges. That doesn't make any sense. That's fine. But here's another example. While I was writing this blog post, I was walking, I was trying to clear my head and get some air and I was walking down the street and I walked past a Panda Express and they said, it said in the window that Panda Express is hiring regional managers for $65,000 a year. And so I, I was like, what? And I went back and I did the math and I thought my business had succeeded after the third year. But then I went and I did out the math. And if I had been working at a Panda Express, managing a Panda Express for three years, I would have generated more revenue <laughs> <laughs> than I would have with my business. So I, I, I don't know. It's the I long tail effect that is just <laughs> now beginning to pay off. That's it. Right. And so after the third year, I was like, wow, cool. I could have had you know, a safer, safer, more money and all the general sales chicken I could have wanted for, <laughs> for three years. But I think the point is that people reasonably think like whether or not the juice is worth the squeeze or whether or not it's worth it to take the jump. And I think it's extremely reasonable. Um, this stuff doesn't work all the time. And I think it's extremely reasonable to, to, to be nervous about, about making the leap. Yeah. But I think the approach of, of building up your momentum, right? Getting the right exit velocity, which by the way is my new favorite term, um, growing it to a point where you have as much as your day job is providing you an income. That's my personal rule also is that before quitting a job now because of similar painful experiences living at my parents' house um, after college, my rule is that I cannot quit a job to work full-time for something of my own until that income is already eclipsing what my day job pays me. So, right. yeah, it's, it's funny that we've had similar experiences that reinforced a similar rule. <laughs> yeah, brothers from another mother or something. I don't know, I don't know how that happened. <laughs> well, the painful lessons are the ones you don't want to relearn, I think. <laughs> very true. That's very true. Yep. All right. Well, tell me, I want to ask you a few of my rapid fire questions here. Um, I've designed them to be short on my end, but your answers do not need to be equally so. Cool. Yeah, let's do it. All right. What percentage of a blogger or marketer's time should be going into content promotion versus the creation of that asset? 
Interesting. Very, very, very interesting. Um, I think the, the, and I'm not copping out on this answer, but I think that the bigger problem is that most people don't realize they have to do both. I know too many people that don't ever consider promotion and just focus on writing something epic. Um, gun to my head, I would say 25% creation, 75% promotion. All right. I like that. That's pretty accurate to, to my rule too. I, I take an 80-20 approach with mm. getting more also. Nice. Yeah. What would you say is the most effective link building strategy today? And I'm talking about natural links, not, not <laughs> buying a bunch of crappy stuff on Fiverr. So how do you build links naturally the best way today? So um, I really like kind of, I have two, two favorites right now. The first is anything that has a, um, anything that requires you getting out of the basement. So I like offline um, meetup type things. That was actually how I built my business was my first hundred users came from meetup.com. And it was because nobody, people have all kinds of tactics that they're willing to run from their laptops, but no one wants to go out into the real world and, and shake hands with people. So I like anything that requires offline events. And I also like um, using your email list. So this, like Brian Dean is amazing at this, but his, his, his email list is basically used for promoting his content and doing sales like three times a year, right? He's, 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 he's great at this. And I know you've had him on the show and I'm, I'm buddies with him. But uh, I think a lot of people, they don't look at the synergistic relationship between all the digital marketing channels and how your, your email list can help in so many other different channels, right? And you leveraging your email list uh, for link building getting eyeballs on it, getting the right people to see it, that kind of thing can be extremely valuable. It's not fast. It's not fast to build a, you know, a 20,000 person email list, but nothing is right. So yeah. I like that. That was a good answer. Um, What would you say is the most important factor today? (laughs) And again, if you have to cop out on this one, it's okay. But what's the most important factor today in ranking content high in organic search? What should people be focusing on most? Man, yeah, this is, I mean, it, the easy, answer, easy answer. Yeah, yeah, it's not an easy answer, but, but, but there's still, it's just overwhelming evidence that, that it's link building, that it's link building. Um, if you want a more technical one that, that a lot of people can do today, um, especially if you're taking on someone else's site and, and, um, and evaluating it, I really like um, killing pages, killing underperforming pages. So reducing the total number of internal links, reducing pages that don't get traffic, combining pages and 301ing them to, to topically related ones, and just reducing your total kind of surface, surface exposure to Google and only focusing on, on um, a smaller number of pages that are doing more of the, more of the heavy lifting. Really depends on your business. But, um, but especially if you're taking on a new site, I really like killing pages. That's really interesting. All right. I got to research that more. <laughs> okay. Uh, my last question for you, Tommy, uh, what would you say has been the best investment you've ever made in the context of growing your business? Oh man. So, I mean, this, this is a long answer to this one, but when I initially started this idea for expanding ClickMinded and the idea was, okay, we want to go full-time on this. We want to go head-to-head with, you know, the General Assembly and the engineering boot camps and a lot of universities. I originally thought I was going to teach 
all seven courses on my own, <laughs> all these different topics. And it turns out I'm, I'm, I'm great at SEO and incredibly mediocre at all these other topics. And so what it, what it ended up happening was um, I brought on, this is actually controversial as well, I brought on a co-founder on, in year four of my business that had been working. And I also brought on a number of, of, of teachers and instructors and ended up bringing on really high quality people that... Um, that that need to get paid, right? <laughs> and so, uh, so yeah, basically, all of the um, we saw the big you know doubling of revenue the first year I went f- I went full time on it, but almost all that money went into the product, into the business. And um, as of now, it was not a sure thing when we first did it, but as of now, um, it's it, it it worked. It looks like it's working. So a more succinct answer would be um, if you're still young and new, not being afraid to plow everything back into the business. Mm-hmm. I love it. That's perfect. All right. Well, Tommy, thanks for joining us. Can you tell everyone listening where they can go to learn more about you and everything you're up to at ClickMinded? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can find us at clickminded.com. Uh, on Twitter, I'm at Tommy Griffith. And I guess the thing we're, we're pushing on now, we created these free retro 8-bit SEO strategy and digital marketing strategy guys. Did you ever play Nintendo in the 90s? I saw, yes, and I saw the guide already. It's awesome. <laughs> nice. Yeah, so we tried to create them like those those Nintendo Power strategy guides from like 1995. We created these like 8-bit retro retro guides um, so you can check them out on the site. I love it. We'll link to that in the show notes as well. Tommy, thanks for joining us. Ryan, this was awesome. Thanks a lot. If you enjoyed this episode of the Side Hustle Project, I would love your support. Head on over to the Apple Podcasts app and give us a rating. And as always, you can catch every episode of the Side Hustle Project on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for tuning in.